treat for you this morning. We have Warren Marcus here with us today. He's been here with us a couple times before. He is a author, a TV producer, a filmmaker. He has a passion to reach the world in that area. I don't know if any of you grew up with uh, watching Superbook or Flying House or any of those Bible cartoons. He helped produce those. Um, and he's currently the executive producer of Sid Roth's broadcast here called It's Supernatural. But more than anything, as we found out first service, he has a heart to teach revelation on relationship with a father. And you are in for a treat. So buckle your seatbelts and give a warm welcome to Warren Marcus. Well, praise the Lord. We had to watch the clock, you know. I'm still going to watch the clock. I'm going to be, because I know your, your stomachs are grumbling, you know. This is that service where... You start thinking, I'm not going to mention it because you're going to start getting hungry already. But I hope you're hungry for the word because God really wants to impart something. I believe he's still imparting it to me. And brother, that, where's the brother that prayed that? Is he not here right now? He's out there now. Man, he was like praying that prayer about the father and all that stuff. It was like, it was almost like the, the, the impartation from the prayer came on him. We were talking afterwards, he was deeply impacted, and, and that, that wanting to know the Father thing and experiencing the Father. So, Father, I just pray right now that that's the main thing I'm, I'm here for, is to let people know that they can have an incredible relationship with you, just like they could have with you, Jesus, just like they could have with you, Holy Spirit. I just pray that the reality of the Father not as a distant father or knowing about you as heavenly father, but we could know you greater as being your, the father and have an experiential thing happen, a supernatural thing happen of an impartation of your person right here on earth in our lives like never before. And to begin us on a journey of walking in the fullness of what I call the Elohim in Hebrew, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that a threefold cord cannot be broken. We pray this in the precious name of Yeshua, Jesus, my Savior, my Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm going to try to stick a little bit to what the PowerPoints have because I want to get a lot in here. This is just a portion of what God has given me in my book, um, The Ancient Priestly Prayer of the Blessing. That's why I did a book. And a DVD is the prayer. The DVD is so that you could kind of just get, get an importation from this prayer, the only prayer in the entire Bible that God himself wrote. It's like he wrote the Ten Commandments. He wrote a prayer and gave it to Moses and said, have this prayer prayed over you every day by the high priest. And so this is an importation God gave of the fullness of the meaning from the Hebrew. And I pray it in our high priest's name, Yeshua. When I pray it in the high priest, Yeshua's name, it's coming through my lips, but it's him praying it through me. When you pray it, in the fullness of the meaning from the Hebrew, in English, you're praying it in Yeshua's name, Jesus' name. It's him praying it through you. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's incredible, the depth, the depth of what you begin to experience. It's not about the prayer. It's what the prayer brings about is a meeting of the Father in a way where he comes as real as the Holy Spirit could be. You know, when you're worshiping the Holy Spirit, you just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, don't you? 
You know, when, when you begin praying to Jesus or worshiping Jesus and you begin just calling out his name, don't you sense him close? It's not just that he's seated on the throne, a throne of grace, which is at the right hand of the Father, but you sense his reality, right? You sense him. But the Father, it's like, I almost feel like there's been a conspiracy to keep us from knowing the Father. It's like he's just too holy to come to. You know, he's being worshipped seven days a week, 24 hours a day, by the cherubim, by the angels. That's true. At the same time, he's omnipresent. And Jesus died a horrible death on the cross to break down that middle wall of partition, that veil that separated us from him, so we could go in. It says in Hebrews, come boldly into the throne room and make your requests known. Well, who are we making it known to? The Father and the Son. So the key is the Father also is omnipresent. He's not locked in heaven. He could come, though he's being worshipped in heaven, he could also come right to you on earth and be with you. And that was the desire of Yeshua, Jesus himself. He came that the Father might be known, that we might know the awesome God of Israel, the one that my people Israel, Jewish people, are frightened of, right? They're, they're scared. The Muslims are like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're named for God. They're, they're frightened of God, you know? He's like a vengeful God, you know, and all this. But this is the whole thing. Jesus made a way. He said, everything I say is what the Father has, what, told me to say. Everything I do is what the Father has shown me to do. When you see me, you're seeing the Father. I am in you, Father. You are in me. My prayer is that they might become one in us. Who's us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go ye therefore, right? Teach them to observe everything I commanded you and baptize them in the name, in the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why did he say that? Because he wants us to understand that. See, a threefold cord cannot be broken. It's the strongest kind of cord you could have. And some of us, we've been walking on one cord. Some of us, two cords. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but he wants you to begin to understand you have access to the three in one. Does this making sense to you? And I want to tell you this too, up front. There's nothing wrong if you pray to Jesus. I'm not saying, oh, you need to you stop praying to, oh no, pray to Jesus. The Father loves you praying to the Son. It's his only begotten Son. It's his boy, right? So he loves when you fellowship with Jesus. He loves when you value the Holy Spirit and you commune with the Holy Spirit. You're just having a time with the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, just refresh me. I pray right now that right now the Holy Spirit begin moving. Just refresh people right here, right now. There's been a lot of stuff that we've been through in the week. I just pray you remove those things off of people right now so our ears are unstopped and we could hear you and we could hear the Father, and we could hear the Son, and we could hear your word come alive in us. Holy Spirit's the one that teaches us. The Holy Spirit's the one that guides us. So what I'm talking about, but listen, both the Holy Spirit and Yeshua, Jesus, want us to fellowship with the Father as well. And there's a different thing that you get when you spend time with the Holy Spirit. 
There's an impartation. There's a whole thing that the Holy Spirit brings. The Son, Jesus, he walked in our shoes. He felt everything that we're going through. He, he felt the shame. He felt, he felt when people abused him. He knows what we're going through. So he, he, the Father understood it vicariously. You know, He could sense it and he could feel it, but he was removed from the actual blows that were put upon Jesus. But he could feel it. So he, he empathizes with us. See, but the father, he's your daddy. And we're missing a daddy relationship to understand not just about the father heart of God. This is going a little bit deeper than just knowing about the father heart of God. This is knowing the father and having relationship with the father where he could talk with you and you could talk with him and you could spend time with him. And he's available because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Okay, so I, I did that. I have other things. I won't get into it out there available that helps you understand what the prayer. But I want to just share with you something. When I gave my book out, I mean, I was scared when I wrote this book because it, I don't even remember writing the book. It was over five years, but I don't even remember. My wife says, when did you write this book? I said, I don't know. It was like really, because I'm doing all these other things, producing stuff for Sid Roth, doing this. How can I find time to write a book like this? I don't know. It's just like it just flowed. And, and it was my own discovery of trying to figure this thing out. And then God just started illuminating me. But here's the thing. Pat Robertson summed it up when he read it. He said, many books have been written on how to obtain an intimate relationship with Jesus through the born-again experience. And I've had that experience. It changed my life. In 1974 is when I came to Messiah. Other books have been published sharing how to enter into a powerful relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Warren Marcus, a Jewish believer in Jesus, as his Messiah and Lord, has been given a new insight on how to enter into a supernatural, intimate, and experiential relationship with the Heavenly Father. I want to say that again. This is, this is an intimate, knowing the person, Right? supernatural, meaning you're accessing the promises of God. You're seeing miracles. You're seeing those things that he wants to give you, the blessings and promises of God, and an experiential, just like you could experience when the Holy Spirit comes, when you're worshiping, you begin to sense that brooding of the Holy Spirit. You begin to sense the bubbling up of the Holy Spirit within you, but you also sense the presence of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, right? How many of you sensed that during the worship? Wasn't that good worship today? Woo! I mean, woo! Some of you came forward and just wanted to press in more. I love that. But here's the thing. So this is what this is all about. Now, I'm going to ask you this. What if the one true God of Israel actually wrote a prayer that he wanted to be proclaimed over you every day that would bring supernatural favor prosperity, abundance, healing, better relationships, protection, order, rest, wisdom, blessings, miracles, and so much more. Now you go, oh, here comes the promise, you know, the slot machine, you know, the prosperity doctrine or something like that. I've had some people, this one lady, I'm reading the book, but I'm having a hard time accepting this because it sounds like it's an overpromise. because I see people who love God and all, and they're going through all kinds of problems. Right? But I want you to know it's not about a magic prayer. It's about bringing us into the relationship with the one 
And I tried to explain this in an earlier service, but basically it's this. When Yeshua, Jesus, was asked by his disciples, teach us how to pray. Now, what's interesting is he didn't say, and it's called the Lord's Prayer. He didn't say, pray this way. Oh, Jesus, holy is your name. He said, our Father. Now, I'm telling you, those Jewish people didn't understand what he meant by Father because they were still frightened by the God who was a holy God, who was in the holy of holies in that temple and wasn't approachable by them. Only the high priest could go in once a year. So he's saying, our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name, sacred is your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, right? So what he's saying is, bring heaven down to earth. Now, in heaven, you won't find lack. In heaven, you won't find sickness. In heaven, you won't find the enemy. In heaven, you won't find confusion. See? So when the presence of God comes, whether it's the Holy Spirit or Jesus into your life, I remember when I first received Jesus, man, it was like I was smoking marijuana. I was doing all these things. Man, I, I threw this stuff out. I went through, I started throwing booze down the sink. I started taking records that I was listening to. Nobody preached to me. I was in my apartment. I started breaking these records and throwing them out. My wife comes home and said, what are you doing? She was Catholic. She was born, you know, she, she got, she, she went up through the Catholic church. So she comes home and says, what are you doing? I said, Jesus is in the house. She goes, well, what's with the records? I said, I don't need these anymore. She goes, don't destroy my records, you know? I mean, she saw me, I mean, I was taking books off the shelf that didn't belong there. Because the presence of God was so there. Heaven had invaded my apartment. That's what I'm talking about. This is like powerful stuff. So that's what Yeshua was saying is, pray your kingdom come, Father, on earth. I like to pray it this way. Let your kingdom come in me as it is in heaven. Because the kingdom of God is inside you through the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense? So the key is, is this. So this prayer is, is about the person. Now, the truth is the one true God of Israel did write this prayer, okay? He did write a prayer that could be proclaimed over you and I every day. It is the greatest prayer of grace. We don't deserve to have a relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit in ourselves because we all are born in sin, Right? But the key is, he reached out to us. He wanted that relationship with us. He wanted to save us. He wanted to deliver us. He wanted to have a relationship with us that is so incredible that it changes our lives moment by moment, day by day. We become walking into a whole different thing. And the kingdom of heaven begins to become our realm, even on earth. And so... There was this thing that this discovery of a pendant, I'm wearing a replica of it that I had made in 1979 by a Jewish archaeologist. He's an agnostic, so maybe even an atheist. It was found in a high priest's tomb opposite the Temple Mount. It is the oldest evidence of intact Bible scripture we have today, 400 years older than the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's a piece, a slice of the word of God from the Old Testament, the Torah, that is the oldest evidence. So I 
this is the thing. I said, if God preserved this particular scripture, which his only prayer in the entire Bible that he wrote, if he preserved that as the oldest evidence and it's sitting in a museum in Israel, why would he do that if it's not meant for us today? And what is this thing? How could I access what that prayer did for Israel? And so I began to look into what it did for Israel. And this is, this is interesting, what it did in Israel. First of all, let me say this, that on this amulet that I had a replica, I have the same thing on the front, the Paleo-Hebrew, that's the ancient Hebrew that it was found in, and on the back I have the, it in English, and then I have a booklet that explains the meaning of it, because people constantly come up to me. I was on an airplane, and this lady says, what is that? And I go... So I got tired of going, okay, here I go. I got to preach a sermon to him. You know, I got to do like, like, I said, hmm. So the Lord gave me this little booklet that allows them to understand this. And they go, whoa, I want this prayer prayed over me. Well, and then explains how, but you need to know Jesus as your Messiah, your Lord, and understand he's your high priest. And then they receive Jesus. And then all of a sudden they're into this thing of learning about the Father. So it's kind of interesting. Okay. So here's the thing. What they found on the pendant wasn't the Lord bless you. So in number six is the prayer. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. You know, it's that famous prayer in, in, in number six. It wasn't the Lord bless you. It was his ineffable name, his sacred name. It was the yud heh vav the tetragrammaton. It's the, it's the consonants without the vowels. Now, for many, many centuries, it was hidden what the name that how to pronounce it, because the high priest was the only one that was supposed to pronounce it in Judaism. And because of that, your King James Bible has, in, if you have a King James Bible, whenever it says Lord in capitals, L-O-R-D, it's actually that name, the sacred name of God. And the Catholics and Protestants agreed not to put the name in there. It used to be in older Bibles. They used to have Jehovah, but it's Yehovah. It's, there's no J in, uh, in Hebrew, but Yehovah. But here's the thing. The Lord bless you is 6,519 times in the Old Testament texts. If you go and counted the ones that are in King James, that's how many times his name is mentioned. Whose name? It's the name of the Father. See, Jesus' name is Yeshua in Hebrew. But the name of the Father... This is like really crazy stuff. Now, basically, the theologians have come to two different possibilities, Yahweh or Yehovah. And when you say hallelujah, it says J-A-H, but it spells Yah. It's really saying hallelujah, Yahweh or Yehovah. Did you know that? You're praising the Father. Okay, now... The key is this, is the Father wants you to know him in an intimate way. The reason I'm bringing up the name isn't to say you need to say his name this way or you need to get into the sacred name movement where they get into, if you don't say his name this way, then you don't know God and all this kind of stuff. It's intimacy. If you know a person's name, if you don't just say, hey, that's my pastor, right? But you're able to say, I know Pastor Alex. There's a difference, Right? It, it, it's my father used to love famous people. So you go, I know the governor of New Jersey. 
because he'd give to his political campaign. I know the mayor of Linden, New Jersey, because he gave to his political campaign. But did he really know him? I mean, let's face it. He knew my mother, and my mother knew him better than he knew the mayor and, and, and the governor. And my mother could tell some stories about my father, you know, that he hopes she would never have told. But the key is knowing and, and, and getting intimate. So that's all I'm bringing up the name. But it says in Malachi 1.1.1, for from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name, this is, this is the father saying, my name, I shall be known as heavenly father. My name shall be great among who? The Gentiles. That means non-Jews. I mean, not only will Jewish people know it, but all the families of the world will know my name. They will know me as Heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven. They won't just know me as a distant God. That They, they will know me in an intimate way. And in every place incense shall be offered, not just in the holy temple, but everywhere incense shall be offered. You know what incense is a type of? Prayer. Intercession. It shall be known all over the world and offered in my name, a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, says the Lord of hosts. So that's really a powerful passage about the importance of knowing the Father, of knowing his name, right? Does that make sense? Now, what happens is this. I want you to know that this ancient priestly prayer of the blessing that was given to Moses in number six, just like he wrote the Ten Commandments, this prayer was given to Moses, and he said, Moses, I'm giving you this prayer, but you cannot pray this over the children of Israel every day. It must be prayed by the high priest, Aaron, and his descendants. So it's a high priestly prayer. And he said the reason that he was only allowed to the high priest was because he was the only intermediary between God and man in the Old Covenant. He's the only one that could go in once a year into the Holy of Holies, into the Shekinah glory presence of the Father. And he would go in there, and he would, but only once a year, bring an offering for the nation, and he'd come back out. But that one meeting with the Father brought the glory upon him. And he was be able to minister the glory. Now, I want to tell you something. We have a high priest. He don't just go in once a year. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in the throne room in heaven, on the mercy seat in heaven, the throne of grace, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If the, what you're going to, that stuff that happened to Israel, what you're going to see what happened to Israel, is if this stuff happened to Israel from a, from a priest that could only go once a year into the Holy of Holies, how much more if this prayer is prayed over us by the one who is seated in heaven 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the greater glory, it's a better covenant. I've been missing out on this thing, right? So we're going to pray that prayer before. This is the most important thing is to pray the prayer in the Amplified Hebrew to English over you today. So you just begin to get immersed in it, okay? So here's what happened. A friend of mine, Rick Amato, he was an evangelist, Southern Baptist guy. He's, he was the first to preach in the Kremlin, in Russia, the gospel. He calls me up. He's in Israel. He's at the site of where they found that amulet. 
and he has these rabbis praying this prayer in Hebrew over him. He calls me up, and I'm sitting in my office in, in It's Supernatural, so, you know, the, the messianic vision, Sidwell. And he calls me, Warren, it's the glory. The name has been placed upon me. And I'm going, Rick? He's crying. He's like shaking. I'm going, what is going on with my friend Rick? I mean, he's never emotional like this, you know? Oh, Warren, it's the name. The name of God is on me. And I'm going, okay, Rick, okay. What are you talking about? So then he says, that prayer written in number six, right? And I go, oh, okay, I know that prayer. It's been, I've had it prayed over me by others. I know the prayer and this and that. But, you know, I've read it before. So I took my Bible, opened it up, and here's the prayer. Number six, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So I read it and went, okay, why isn't it affecting me like it affected Rick? Right? And I'm like kind of, I'm kind of like, what is going on? So I began to say it, maybe I'm not saying it loud enough. You know, so I go, the Lord bless you. The Lord Make his face, and I'm like, I'm trying all these different methods to kind of access this thing, but I'm not feeling anything that Rick felt. You ever feel that way? You know, you're trying to follow the instructions, try to do it, and you just, it's not happening. So I said, what is it, God? So that put me on a search to want to know more about that prayer, okay? What is it? So the first thing I did is looked up what happened to the children of Israel. As a result of the prayer being pronounced over them every day, they're 40 years in the wilderness, right? They've blown it with God. They didn't go in, right? They got scared of the giants. So now they're wandering in a desert. For How many of you have wandered in a desert? Or maybe you're in the midst of a desert experience right now, okay? Well, right in the midst of this desert, the awesome God of Israel, who they didn't understand. Remember, they didn't have the word of God yet. It hadn't been written. It was being written as they're in the wilderness by Moses is getting a download on the scripture. So they knew that they were tied to the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their name, the name of the God was the God of Israel. But they're in Egypt, and they don't have a clue. They have no relationship with him. And all of a sudden, Moses shows up with the God of Israel, and he goes, watch this. Boom, plagues start hitting their enemies. And they're going, oh, my gosh. I hope this plague don't get me. You know, they're like... They're afraid of what they're seeing, right? Especially all the firstborn children of Israel die, and now they're up against the, the, this, this, this sea, right? And they're going, what are we going to do? The, 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 the chariots are coming of, 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 of Egypt to crush them, right, with Pharaoh. And they're going, what are we going to do, Moses? What are we going to do? How many of you have seen the Ten Commandments film? Oh, man, if you haven't, you gotta, you got to rent it or look at it. It's, it's, it's fun, you know? And, and, but it's like, what are we going to do now, you know? So he says, behold the hand of God. He lifts his staff and the sea parts, right? Now, I imagine these people, I mean, I imagine how they felt. First of all, there's a pillar of fire that's holding back the army of Egypt, this fiery wall, and they can't even come through that. And then he says, come on, we're going to go across to the other side. And they're going, 
what? So they're bringing chariot. Now, it wasn't just that there was an environmental thing. You know, this is what my rabbi told me when I was in Hebrew school. He said, you know, it's, it, it could be environmentally that at certain times of the year, the, you know, it, it, whatever. It was dry ground. Chariots were going on it. So it's not just some, it was a miracle. That's who our God is, right? So they're going through with their stuff, their oxen and everything, and they're going through it. And I can imagine how they're feeling as they're going through this thing. They're going, oh, don't let this water fall upon us. Oh, Lord, please. Oh, God. Then about halfway through, they go, gee, I wonder what's on the other side. Man, this could be a land of milk and honey. This is the answer to everything. We were slaves, and now we're being set free. Woo! So they start getting really positive, and they get to the other side, right? And all of a sudden, God releases his fire, and the army of Egypt begins to invade and come in, and they go, oh, no, no. And Moses says, behold the hand of God. And he goes with his rod, and boom, the waters kill all their enemies. And they're going, yay, God, yay! And then they turn around, and they find out they're in the desert. That's what a lot of our born-again experience has been. We get saved. We get on fire with God. We're walking in a honeymoon for a period of time, and all of a sudden we go, wait a minute, I'm in a place of testing, right? Some of you are there right now. But I've got good news. God wants to continue to provide for you even if you're walking in a wilderness for 40 years. Now look what he did as his prayer. So they received divine provision of food. I mean, they got manna from heaven, these little things that they could pick up is like bread from heaven. Now, they couldn't keep it for more than a day. If they kept it more than a day, it would stink. Now, King James says, it doth stinketh. That's what it says in King James. But what would happen is, so the idea is if you want manna from God, you can't just hold on to the old manna. He wants to give you new manna every day. I have a little more time this, in this service to say it, but this is stuff... I mean, and then they got tired of eating manna burgers, right? So what happens? He sends Kentucky Fried Chicken from heaven, quail. And they start eating the chicken, you know. So he, and then there was a rock. They didn't have water fountains. They go, thirsty. The rock started pouring out water, man. Enough to feed the flock, enough to grow crops in the fields. I mean, that's not a little water. And it says in the New Testament that the rock that followed them was Jesus. So the water was flowing. The living water was flowing from the rock. So this is crazy. This is in a desert, right? Um, and then they grew vegetation in the wilderness. No miscarriages. Your children multiplied. In the midst of this, they had no, no, no predators could touch them. Perfect health. No sick or feeble among them. Angelic protection. They, uh, the Shekinah glory of the Heavenly Father dwelt in the midst of them in the Holy of Holies of the temple. They had supernatural heating as a result of the pillar of fire at night that went over their encampment. Deserts get cold, but when you have a heating like that, man. And then during the day, they had air conditioning because they had the pillar of cloud, the cloud that would go over the encampment and it would keep them cool from the hot sun. I just imagine... Uh, some Arab guy coming up and going, whoa, what is this? And he goes, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a pillar of cloud. It's a cloud, and it just keeps us cool during the day. And at night, we have the pillar of fire. It keeps us warm. And he goes, oh, this is wonderful. He goes, no, it's not that wonderful. Because when God 
gets tired of being in a spot, he removes himself, and then we have to take down the tabernacle and clean up the mess and move to the next location. See, revival is messy. Don't get tired of the good things of God. They started grumbling, okay? All right. So supernatural, they, even their sandals and clothing never wore out. That would put a lot of people out of business because I don't, I, I don't even have to, you know, it's just it's never wearing out. How would you like that? That's what they got under the old covenant understanding of this. So I started asking God, okay, God, what is it? How can I have that same effect or a greater effect on me than the children of Israel did? And I started trying to dig in, and God started to give me an understanding of it. And the next thing I looked at was this. After the prayer, it says in Numbers 6, and 23, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, the Koyanim in Hebrew, the Aaronic priests, saying, In this way you shall bless the children of Israel, saying to them this prayer. And he goes through the prayer. Then he says, then he says, and they, the high priest, shall place my very name, my very name upon the children of Israel, and then I will bless them. He didn't say I'm going to bless them first. He says, first I'm going to place my presence upon them. I'm going to place my person upon them. I'm going to come so they really could could." Feel me and understand that who I am, that I'm not some God they have to be afraid of. That's grace. See? So, and then it gets into, the, so I started looking at the word, Shem is the Hebrew word for, for name. See, we just, we just look at name as a title, right? My name's Warren, you know, your name is whatever. The idea is that's a title. Name means something more. It means Take Exodus 27. Thou shalt not take my name, the name of the Lord thy God, your Elohim, in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. How many of you think that's just cursing? I mean, that's basically what we think, right? Okay. The Hebrew word for name, Shem, means, one of the translations is neshama, which means breath. So when God the Father created man out of clay, He breathed his name. That's what he breathed into the nostrils. His very person into Adam. The glory and the name are synonymous. The glory presence of God. So it says, and he, Jehovah God, breathed into his nostrils the breath. That's what he wants to do with us, the Father. Okay, the Hebrew word for name Neshama. Now look at this. He breathed into the nostrils the breath. Your Shem, your name, is your very breath. It's, in a Hebrew understanding, it's the very person that you are, your personality, your character. Okay? So that's what the name is. And it says, if you read it in context, thou shalt not take the character of Jehovah God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his character in vain. And I, I love this, this example of an executor, a lawyer, who takes your estate, your will, and he's to then follow your instructions to disperse, if you should go home to be with the Lord, 
your possessions to different people and do different things according to your will and purpose, right? Now, what it's saying here is we are being made like executors of God and his kingdom. So what you don't want to do as an attorney is step out of the will of who it is that wrote that will, right? Because if you do, you're breaking the law and you're subject to the law. Does that make sense to you from a theological point of view? You're breaking the law and then you become subject to the law. That's why it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, all these things. Against such there is no law. Why? Because the very character of God is love, joy, peace, the fruit of the spirit. So if you're walking in the perfect will of God, you're not subject to the law. Now, if you walk outside of that and you operate in the flesh, you become under the condemnation of the law, not unto salvation because you're eternally saved, okay? But in terms of receiving the blessings and promises of God, it's kind of like Jesus says, yoke yourself with me, walk with me. So we're walking with Jesus, we're feeling good, we're worshiping. All of a sudden, we find ourselves something's going on, we feel distant from God, we feel like there's things happening, what's going on? And all of a sudden you go, oh, I better go to God. And you start going. Now what does it say in 1 John 1 and 9? Talk it to the church. Confess your sin to the Father, and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So it's basically to get back in the yoke, we just go, oh man, I messed up. Father God, forgive me. I did it again. You know, some of you are struggling with some things, and you've been confessing that to the Father. You've been doing it over and over again. Just say to him, hey, I'm here again with that same thing. I can't obviously do this on my own. I need the presence of your Holy Spirit, the power to have victory over this thing. Now, he's looking at your heart. He's not looking that you, you are even successful at that point. He wants your heart to begin to align with his. And as you do, you're going to find yourself delivered from that thing. I've seen myself go from when I first got saved to so many things that he took away from me. And now I'm walking up. Now I have new things to deal with. But Because he's trying to perfect us as his sons and daughters. He's trying to make us into the new creation. Now he already sees you through the nail-pierced hands of his son. He sees you complete and whole. He sees you as a new creation. You have become the righteousness of God in and through what Jesus did on the cross for you. But we need to stop looking in the mirror and seeing, oh, I don't like what I see. We need to begin to see through the Father's eyes who he sees us as being. And we need to realize that the enemy of our soul is trying to make us forget that and get us to walk away from his plans and purposes, his perfect will. And all we got to do is step back in, just confess and step back in, and you're there again. You're walking in his purpose. You'll see things begin to happen. Father, I just pray right now that there's certain people who are going through that right now. And right now I sense that there is a need to step back in the yoke. So, Father, we just come before you. Those things that we have done that we knowingly did or unknowingly did, we confess those things to you. We know we were wrong. We, we don't want to keep doing these things. Forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
And now, God, just yoke us to yourselves. Our desire is to be in perfect harmony with you, to be in sync with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Father God, just right now, I just pray a restoration of people right now who, who, who have this thing. The enemy wants to remind you of your past, and he wants you to be reminded of your future. So, Father, we just thank you that our future is good, that we're going to be with you in heaven forever, but right now we could walk in the, in the beauty of what you have for us right now, your will and purpose in Yeshua's name, in Yeshua's name. Woo, glory. Okay, so, in other words, when, when we say we are followers of Jehovah or Jesus, we are saying that we are taking on his character. And Shem actually means, so here's what it says, when God is going to put his name upon you, he's going to put his very breath upon you, his very person. He is going to put his holy character and his power and authority on you. That's what you begin to receive through this prayer. It's like when the high priest, the Jewish high priest says it over you. Who's our Jewish high priest? Jesus. When you begin to speak it in his name, he begins to place his very name upon you, his very person this is important to understand. His very person, his holy character, his power and authority. So this isn't a magic prayer. This is just receiving the presence, and now it's like supernaturally, it's like you're beginning to walk in this new thing. The brother that prayed today was really cool because he prayed. I heard him speak the prayer. What's his name? Stephen. So he said a similar prayer this morning. But I want to tell you, if you got the recording of the prayer he prayed this morning and after he sat through the services, and he, was, he, was, he came to me and was just sharing with me some stuff and he was just weeping and all. That whole prayer was like what I'm preaching about. But he, he did it much better because he did it in the spirit. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you knowledge right now, but I'm telling you, he was moving in the spirit in that prayer. And he was talking about getting connected with the Father and he had a plan from the beginning and da-da, Right? Do you remember what he was praying? I mean, it was powerful. You need to get a recording of that and play it over yourself every day for a while. I'm telling you. It's powerful. But that's what God wants to do in all of us, okay? So the high priest would take and pray this prayer every day. Now, we'd hold his hands like this. Leonard Nimoy talked about that. He got this thing from, you know, it was the, what do they call it? The Vulcan salute. You know how he got it? He was sitting in the synagogue, and the rabbi lifted his hands to do the ironic blessing, this blessing over them. And his father said, don't look at the hands. He goes, why? Just don't look at the hands. Why? Just don't look at the hands. So he looked, you know. But years later, so he just said, come up with the salute. So he came up with that. So he, he says, if you really listen to the truncated version, it is the ironic blessing. Live long and prosper. That's what the prayer is about, if you want to break it down. So, but here's the thing. He talked to an Orthodox rabbi, and he goes, what is it about the prayer? Why didn't my father want to look at it? Because when the high priest put his hands up like that, it was like in the shape of El Shaddai, God Almighty. That's the shin, the Hebrew letter shin, a double shin. What does it look like? It's the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubim. On the wings of the cherubim rested the glory presence of the Father. When he did that, there was a shedding forth of a little bit of the glory that came upon a people who didn't even have the word of God yet. And that's why their shoes and clothes never wet. They got a little bit of the glory of the Father that 
manifest presence of the Father came upon them. And that's why they had a very hard, in the old covenant, man, it was hard. Do this and don't do this. 613 really strict laws. They had grace because they had animal sacrifices and stuff like that to cleanse your sin. But how could anyone live up to that? We have two. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And we have problems doing that, don't we? So why are people that didn't even have an understanding of who God was? We have the cross. We have worship. We have the full word of God in so many different languages. They didn't even have the word yet, and they're going, you got to do all these things, and, blah, 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 and penalties if you don't, and all this. How could they do that if they didn't have something? He would be a cruel God. He put his presence on them through this prayer. And they were walking in this thing and miracle. I mean, imagine you don't have to work, man. It's like, you know, manna's there. I'm going to just eat this manna. Of course, they grumbled. Manna burgers. Sure, they found different recipes to cook it, to eat it, but it still wasn't good enough, so they gave them quail. Anyway, so this is what we're talking about. We have a higher priest, a better priest. He's seated at the right hand of the Father 24 hours. So when we pray in his name, he, in essence, is giving us a, a, a portion of the glory of the Father upon us. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. And by the time we're done, we're going to pray that, and we're going to start this thing. So here's Moses. He's in the temporary dwelling place before he built the tabernacle because he, when he went up on Mount Sinai, what happened? For 40 days, 40 nights, they built the golden calf. They had Aaron do it. And Aaron still was made the high priest. I can't figure that one out. But the key is, so he's in this temporary dwelling place where the Shekinah glory is. And he says, please show me your glory. And what was he saying? He's in the glory. But he's saying, I want to go beyond the cloud that's covering the light that's coming and emanating out of this cloud. And what did God say? You can't do it. You're not ready for it. Right? So he goes into this whole thing. I will make all my goodness to pass before you. I will, I will proclaim the name of my name, in essence, before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But listen to what he says. This is what God said the glory is, that shining light in within. You cannot see my face. So the very face of God was in the glory. Now, why can we now pursue? Remember, through the rest of the scriptures, he says, seek my face. He said, if any man come and see my face, they will surely die. But you see, the reason we seek his faith is to die to the things we need to die to. But when Jesus hung on the cross and he died that horrible death and said, it is finished, he broke down that middle wall of partition. The very veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. So it was indicating that we could now, you and I could now, because of the blood of Messiah, can go into the Holy of Holies. And we could come boldly, it says in Hebrews, into the Holy of Holies to be with the Father and to ask him for anything. This is incredible what Jesus did on the cross for us to make a way that we could come to the Father. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. We just quote, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he's saying, I am the way to the Father, to have a relationship with the awesome God, the God that everybody else fears, the Muslim fear, my people Israel fear, they don't even want to say his name in public. They don't even want to say Adonai, which just means Lord. They say the name, Hashem. They'll call him Hashem. 
They're afraid to say anything close to it because it's, it's a holy fear they have, which is to be commended, but that's not what God wants. See, he created fatherhood. He made Adam and Eve and created them as created son and daughter and be fruitful and multiply. He made in their image and in his image and likeness so that they could replicate and then have many sons and daughters for God. That's his whole plan as a family. He created family. That's why it blows me away. The spirit of this world and this age is trying to tear down the family. And they're trying to say, God said, I created them male and female. I created them. They're trying to say there is no male and female. Everything God set up to bring a family unit that he has. Because when we're born again, we weren't adopted by Jesus. We weren't adopted by the Holy Spirit. We were adopted by God the Father. And when a father adopts you, he gives you his name. And you are a receiver of all of his inheritance. You have a portion of his inheritance that's given to you. We're not orphans. we got to break that orphan spirit in Jesus' name right now. That orphan spirit, some of you have been walking around feeling like an orphan. See, that's the lie of the devil. He, devil and religion wants to keep you from the Father, knowing God as Father. And even if you know about him as Father, say, well, the Father heart of God is what Jesus displayed and this and that, but you're still looking at it as a distant. What you've done is relegated yourself to live in a spiritual orphanage. Yeah, I have a heavenly father, but you're in that orphanage. He's saying, come to me. He wants you to come and be with him. You're not an orphan. You're a son and daughter, a spiritual son and daughter of the most high God. And the enemy wants to lie to you and keep you from the fire. Oh, it's okay. Jesus is okay. You know, there's religions that say Jesus isn't okay. I'm talking about Christian religions. You got to go through saints because Jesus is too holy, you know? But we know many of us as Protestants, we, we, we say, oh, we could go directly to Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit living in me. And we have the Holy Spirit to come upon me, right? But the Father... There's still that enemy is trying to keep us from the Father. And Jesus was trying to get us to the Father. And that's what's going to make my people Israel jealous. It isn't that we just do more gifts, more healings, and stuff like that. That's not what's going to make them jealous. They're saying, you know that God that you reverence and thank God for who the God of Israel is? He's not just my God. He's my daddy. You want to talk about jealousy that's going to come? That's why he said, our father who art in heaven. When Jesus prayed that, the Jewish disciples were going, he's calling him father? Whoa, they they thought that was blasphemy. Some of the Pharisees when he said that. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, now, Mount of Transfiguration. You've read about that? What was it? Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. What happened to Jesus? He's glowing. Look at the description. Now, after six days, Yeshua took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face was showing like the sun, shining like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Who did that happen to? Moses, when he spent time on Mount Sinai, he came down glowing. It was a reflection of the glory, and they said, put a veil on your face, Moses. We can't even stand to look at you. So he'd have to speak with this veil on his face till the glory started to reside, uh, to, to, to go away, diminish. 
But here it is. So they're looking and they're seeing Jesus with the light. And, he, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Now after, and, and then, it, then here's what happened. Then Peter gets a great idea. He says to Yeshua, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Great idea, right? The, it says that the cloud, bright cloud began to overshadow them. What cloud? The glory. The Shekinah glory that was on Jesus became, and it came upon them. And they became very frightened. And suddenly a voice came from heaven. Is that what it says? A voice came from within the cloud. So whoever's speaking from the cloud is going to tell you who they are. Listen, the voice came from out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. So who was it speaking? It was the father. So the Shekinah glory is the father. Boom. So when, you're, when, when, he, when this prayer is prayed, the name comes upon you. It's the glory, the very person, the very power of God the Father coming upon you. That's what this prayer was given. And it's given for us for such a time as this. Because in Revelation 21, how many of you can't wait till Jesus returns? Right? So in Revelation 21, it talks about New Jerusalem. And here's what it says. It says in New Jerusalem... It says, there will be no light needed because God and the Lamb will be the light thereof. I know who the Lamb is, Jesus. Who's God? The Father. Jesus isn't coming alone. The Father's coming with him. And we will have been resurrected by that time, and we will not just be spiritual sons and daughters. We will be physical as well because our, our, our very bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And it's going to be the greatest family reunion of all times. So what the father wants to do in this time, he wants his sons to not be, he doesn't want his sons and daughters to be there and go, oh, well, who's that? That's the father. He wants us to know him, to be intimate with him now in preparation for the coming of Yeshua and the father on earth. Does this make sense? So this is really an end time revelation. Okay, so uh, the priest would go in once a year, I'm going to try to go through this because i got to get to the prayer. Now, here's the thing. Jesus died as our Messiah and Lord. But when he rose again, he's taking on a new commission. What is that commission? He was going to be our high priest, seated at the right hand of the Father, correct? So here's what I want to show you is Yeshua, there's many paintings that are in the Middle Ages where you see Jesus lifting two hands. But they don't know what to do with the hands. They have them doing this, they do, you know, whatever like that. Uh, I want to tell you, Yeshua, with his nail-pierced hands, prayed this prayer over the disciples right as he was ascending into heaven to take up his priestly role. I, I never saw this before until God started revealing this to me. Here it is, Luke 24, 49 through 51. And behold, I send the promise of my father. So he's talking about the promise of the father to them. He's talking about father. All of a sudden, he's just talking about the father and their relationship to the father. So he's talking about Pentecost. He's saying, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Who? From the father. 
And then he's saying, and he led them out as far as Bethany. This is the Mount of Olives. And he lifted up his hands, both hands. There is no prayer. You never hear this in Jesus anywhere else that he lifted up both hands. The only prayer that Jews pray, the Hebrew prayer, is that a priest would pray. And he's now our high priest is that priestly prayer. So he's praying this prayer over his disciples, and it's a long enough prayer that he's ascending to the Father as he says it. So I want you to get this, because when we pray this prayer, and it's going to be prayed over you in the Amplified Hebrew to English, and I'm praying it in Yeshua's name, I want you to picture Yeshua in heaven praying it over you. He's doing what Aaron did, but you have the glory. He's in the glory realm, and what you're going to get as an importation, is just the beginning of what you could get even more of each day. Okay, now I want to tell you a little bit about me as a kid. Let's see, getting late, but I just want to get through a little bit of this with you. As a little boy, Jewish kid, five years old, I was very frightened of lightning and thunder. I come running into the house, ah, because my friend Bobby said, it could kill you if it hits you. I said, what? And the next lightning bolt that came, I went running inside, and I'm crying. My agnostic Jewish sister, Fran, picks me up and says, what's wrong, Warren? It's lightning. It could kill me. Lightning won't hurt you. What? God will protect you. I never heard about I'm five years old. God? Who's God? Well, you can't see him. He lives in a place called heaven, but yet he's everywhere. So I'm thinking... Is he in my room at night when it's dark? And she goes, yes, he's in your room at night when it's dark. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. I'm more frightened of this unseen entity than I am of the lightning now because there's this something like ghost in my room or something, right? So I go to sleep and have this dream, and it was the most beautiful dream I could ever have. I was up in the clouds and in, like, heaven, and it was lightning and thunder, and I was very frightened. And all of a sudden, in the distance... In, in, in a circular fashion, the clouds parted and the most beautiful golden light was there. It was a Shekinah, I, don't re, I didn't realize it till now, but it's just Shekinah glory that I was, of the Father that I was seeing. And all of a sudden, beams of light came in different colors towards me and all around me. And I started being drawn into that light. And I want to tell you something, it was the most peaceful. I mean, I'm telling you that this, it, what I experience now in, in the Holy Spirit, it was there. It was like the most beautiful beautiful feeling of, of just feeling assurance and everything, right? And then I heard a voice. The most beautiful voice I ever heard in my life. It was inside me and all around me. And the voice said, do not be afraid. I am your friend. I will never hurt you. And I woke up from that dream. I didn't want to wake up from that dream. I told my Jewish mother and father, I saw God. And they went, what? Yeah, in my dream. They go, oh. I went in a kindergarten class. They said, take out some, some crayons and draw some pictures, kids. So I have a yellow crayon. I still have this picture to this day. I have a yellow crayon. I'm trying to draw the glory. And this Jewish kid next to me said, what's that supposed to be? I said, it's God. You can't draw a picture of God. Why not? No one has seen God. Well, I saw God. <laughs> he got into a big argument with me. I start crying. The class is laughing at me. The teacher says, shut up, everybody. What's going on? He said, he said he saw God. I said, I did see God in my dream, and here's a picture of him. And I showed her the picture. She looked at me. She looked at the picture. She thought I was crazy. Meshuggah, we say in Jewish. 
but you know what's interesting? Before the foundations of the world, he knew you, and he had a plan for you. So here I was. I couldn't tell my mother and father and explain what I had seen in this vision. So my first impulse was to draw a picture, a picture so others could see. And what am I doing today? I'm working for Sid Roth. I've been working for ministries. I did Superbook of Flying House to show forth the reality of God in picture form. But I didn't even know who he was yet. He has plan and purpose for you, okay? So here's what he says to me since that prayer has come into my life. Don't be afraid. I am not only your friend, but I am your heavenly father. Not only will I never hurt you, but I will help you fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. I'm telling you, that's for all of us. I'm telling you, that's what he wants to do for you. When you start to get to know the Father, man, you hear clearly. When Jesus prayed every day, who was he praying to? The Father. And the Father would give him words to say. And the Father would give him things. He would see him healing this person, healing that person. The revelation opens up, right? Okay, let's keep going. So I love this scripture, Psalm 27.8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Okay, so... I want to share one other thing. Just bear with me, because I think it's important to hear this. Matthew 6, 25 and 26. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. This is Jesus telling his disciples. Take no, no thought for your life, what you should eat, what you should drink, nor for your body, what you should put on. It is not, is not life more than meat, and the body more than rhema or clothes? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither do they gather in barge, yet your heavenly Father, who? The heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you no much more better, more significant than they? Right? And why do you take thought for the clothing you wear? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these fields. So he's talking to them about needs. They're talking, I mean, this is needs. You have needs, right? So when I read this originally, when I read that, I went, oh, this is a bummer. You know, because it's like he's telling me, you know, it's, it almost sounds contrary to miracles and promises, doesn't it? But watch what he says. For after all these things do the heathen seek. For your heavenly Father, this is a key verse, for your heavenly Father already knows that you have need of these things. Now, what we have done is taken out of context this next verse. So seek ye, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But you see, it's attached to that verse that went before. If you understand it, it says the Heavenly Father already knows. So if we could get in the presence of the Father, He already knows what you need. You could just go, Daddy God, now that I'm here, hey, I need this. I need that healing. I need this finances. I need that job. I need whatever. He already knows it. He wants you to ask. You're His son. You're His daughter. So it's saying, seek so therefore, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Why? See, the people get into the kingdom of God, and it's books about the kingdom of God. It's an it. It's like the kingdom of God. I can't wrap my arms around the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God is? It's the place where God lives. 
I want to seek the kingdom of God because God is there. I want to seek the kingdom of God because I want to be in his presence. I want to seek the kingdom of God because that's where his will is being done. I want to seek the kingdom of God because that's where miracles happen. That's where healing happens. That's where deliverance happens. That's where salvation happens. So the key is, I'll, I'll tell you this real quick. I got to tell you this. I had this little vision of this homeless guy who was on the streets of New York and he's begging for food, right? And he's going, oh God, supply someone to give me money so I could eat. And someone gives him money and he eats this McDonald's hamburger that he gets at this restaurant and the next day he's out there again and the next day he's out there again and he keeps living this way. I think many of us are living for a gift from God for his Father's hand and he'll give it to us. He loves us that much. But it's like we're, we're seeking his hand instead of his face. And what happens to the man is he says, I've had it. I can't do this anymore. Oh, God, just take me home. I don't want to live here on earth anymore. I want to be with you. And a limo pulls up. And he says, you're hungry. Come on in. And he goes, me? Yeah. And he opens the door, puts him in there. There's water in that fridge. Drink it. So he drinks the water. He falls asleep. All of a sudden, he's in the most beautiful, I mean, it's like Blue Ridge Mountains, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. I died. Uh, I'm on my way to heaven. And he goes through this gilded gate, and it opens, and then the guy says, the master is in the house, and he, dinner will be served soon. And he takes him in, and he sees the most beautiful mansion with the most beautiful furniture, the sense of the... He sees wealth. He remembers the stench that he was in of the alleyways that he was going through. He remembers the hot, humid sun of New York City, the stench of it and all. And he's going, oh, I'm dead. This is heaven. And all of a sudden, the father comes. And he walks in the room. And there's this big table. And he sees the father. The father sees him. The father puts his arms out and starts walking to him. And he embraces him. And there's this divine embrace. And he starts weeping on the father's shoulder. See, the father wants you to understand this is how he wants to come to you. And he, and he starts weeping on the father's shoulder. And he goes, am I? He goes, no, you're not dead. But this is your home. You're out there, but this is your home. Do not think of that out there as your home. And he fed him. He began sharing things with him. He showed him this closet of this is your closet of inheritance. And he shows him all this stuff. Now, you could begin to access some of that right now if you walk in my way and you begin to fulfill my purpose on earth for you. And he says, you're ready now to go out there. I want you to go out there to the byways and highways to tell everybody about this incredible relationship that they could have if they receive Jesus as their Messiah. They could have access to me as Father. Right? And this is, this is what God gave me. It's in my book about that thing. So I just want you to understand this is what we're talking about, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to understand the Hebrew version. I won't get into this whole thing, but there is a difference in the Hebrew. Like, for instance, one word in Hebrew, bless, you're going to see means so much more than bless. What does it mean? See, in, in, in English, it's abstract. Like, bless you, keep you. What, is he going to put you in a cage? You know, what does that mean? So we're going to do that in the prayer now, okay? I'm not going to get into all this. I want to get right to the prayer. Okay, now I want you to stand. So now I'm going to, this is the most important thing that we're going to do. 
but I'm going to proclaim the prayer over you in the name of our high priest, Yeshua. And I want you to receive that, and then it's going to be sung over you in Hebrew, which all of the words I'm saying here is very short in Hebrew. And uh, if you want, you can start putting that music, the instrumental music on, okay? Yeshua is saying, your high priest, Jesus, may Yehovah bless you. This is what it means. May Yehovah, Yahweh, your heavenly Father, kneel in front of you. He's doing this right now, making himself available to you as your heavenly Father so he can grant or bestow upon you his promises and gifts. And you go, wait a minute. What do you mean, may God kneel? That's what bless, barak, means, to kneel in front of you and make yourself accessible. Jesus kneeled at the feet of the disciples and began to wash their feet as he and the Father are one. So the Father right now, I want you to picture this, he's kneeling in front of you. And here's what he's saying. I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. Come to me. I want to know you and I want you to know me. I want you to not be distant because I'm not distant from you. I've been there all along. And then Yeshua is saying, may Yehovah or Yahweh keep you May Yehovah, Yahweh, your heavenly Father, guard you with a hedge of thorny protection that will prevent Satan and all your enemies from harming your body, soul, mind, and spirit, your loved ones, and all your possession. This is the heavenly Father now putting his arms around you and embracing you. And there's this embrace, this divine, you're in the strong arms of the Lord. There's thorny hedge outside to keep the predators away. This is Psalm 91 being activated. Read Psalm 91, and all of that happens when you're in his presence. And then Yeshua says, may the Lord shine his face upon you. This is the panim of God, and the word shine in Hebrew is or. That's what it means is or. Bringing order and opening a portal of revelation to you that you're missing his will and purpose for your life, his daily tasks, his things that he wants to impart to you like he did to Jesus. Heal that person. Here's what I want you to say. May Yehovah, Yahweh, your heavenly father, illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you. This is his face shining on you, continually bringing you to order so you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. So Father God, we receive that right now. We thank you that you're shining your face upon us right now and that that glory is just coming and it's opened a portal to heaven and you're going to deposit things in us that when we walk out of here, all of a sudden we're going to be praying different prayers like that young man did this morning. He's praying a whole different prayer. It's just the same thing before, but boom, the whole revelation comes. Thank you, Lord. The next is, and be gracious to you. This is a picture of your heavenly Father now looking into your eyes, and you're looking at him, and he's smiling. You could see the love on his face for you. And Yeshua says, and may Yehovah be gracious to you. May Yahweh, Yehovah, your heavenly Father, provide you with perfect love and fellowship, never leaving you, and give you sustenance, provision, and friendship. This is when the Father is saying to you right now, here's what he's saying. I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. I am well pleased in you. You say, I don't deserve that. There's things. No, he sees you already, the righteousness of God the Father in Christ Jesus. He sees you as a finished work. He's saying, I love you, and you, I am well pleased. And now, 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. This is the word nasa, lift up. This is God lifting you up like a little child and taking you in his arms. And he's holding you in his arms. And you're like a little infant. And you're looking up into his beautiful face. And he's looking down at you. He's smiling over you. Listen to this. May Yehovah, Yahweh, your heavenly father, lift up and carry his wholeness of being toward you. Bringing everything that he is to your aid. Supporting you with his entire being. Zephaniah 3.17 says it this way. Yehovah, your God, Elohim, in your midst... The mighty one will save, pick you up. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Could you see the father walking with you? I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Oh, I'm so happy that you're my son. I'm so happy you're my daughter. He will quiet you with his love. He wipes your tears away. He kisses your forehead. And listen to this. He will rejoice over you as singing. Father's dancing with you in his arms, singing songs over you. And now he leaves you with peace, shalom. Peace isn't just the absence of warfare, it's much more. May your heavenly father set in place all you need to be whole and complete. So you can walk in victory moment by moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. May he give you supernatural health, supernatural peace, supernatural welfare, supernatural fit, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfection, fullness, rest, harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. This is what I'm talking about. You're in his presence and now you receive because you're in the atmosphere of heaven. And when heaven comes, all those things that aren't of God can't be there. Now I want you to receive an importation as the Hebrew is sung over you by Paul Wilbur. Just receive now the fullness of that in just as it's being sung. Turn it up. sending your son to die on the cross for me that I might have a relationship with the awesome creator of the universe which you are as being my father as being my daddy oh I'm not going to be afraid of you anymore I'm going to run to you I'm going to embrace you I'm going to talk with you I want to walk with you I want to be with you Jesus and the Holy Spirit I want to be in the fullness of the Elohim a threefold cord cannot be broken 
Daddy, God, I just need you. Now, what is it that you need? Do you need healing? Do you need something? He already knows what you need before you ask, but you could say it to him. Just, just say, Daddy, God, I need this. Whatever it is, salvation of a loved one, healing, financial breakthrough, whatever it is right now, just say, Daddy, you know I need this. Father God's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you because he's a good God. He loves you. You're his son and daughter. A great price was paid that you might be able to walk in his perfect will and you might be able to be helping to fulfill his great commission on earth and that you might walk in his God-given destiny and purpose. So, Father, I just pray today destiny begins in people's lives. I believe people who are asking, why am I here? Why am I going through what I'm going through? It's time to understand that God is bringing that thing he knew you about, the foundation of the world. He knew you, and he had this plan. Father, I pray you reveal, you begin to reveal those things to them, not in big things, but just little things that they might do, and you'll give them the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things for your glory. We thank you, Daddy God. We thank you. We just want to just, just the glory is here of the Father. I mean, I could just sense the glory hovering, seeing this is what you could do in your homes to begin to, to begin to have Yeshua proclaim this prayer over you. You begin to just spend times in that glory realm with him. And I'm telling you, I have gotten stuff. He has given me, ordered my steps. He's shown me all these things to do. He says, give this one to this one. You do this one. Put off that one to tomorrow, but I want you to write this down. I mean, I have never seen anything like it before. And all confusion is gone, all kinds of attack, all kinds of things, because when you're walking yoked in sync with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when you get back into that thing, when you fall, slip away, just get right back in. I'm telling you, this is the place he wants us to be, the zone. It's walking it's like you're, you're in heaven, but you're walking on earth. So, Father, thank you for the revelation that you have given. It's your revelation. Thank you for the prayer that you wrote. And we pray that you go with us with perfect shalom being with us. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.